name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Welcome back to another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. This is episode 10. We've done 10 episodes. This podcast is dedicated to women's health, women's education. And I am a board certified OBGYN and I am bringing up topics that I hear in my office all the time. And I want to share them with you so you can be educated and be empowered. So this episode today, this is about women's health. And I have an expert with me today, an expert. Not only is she an expert, but she is my friend. And she really is the reason there is a Dr. V. I give her credit for that. I don't know if she takes it. But the the doctor that we have with us today, her name is Dr. Samantha Suffren. She is a board certified adult neuropsychiatrist that specializes in perinatal mental health. She started her practice, Women's Transitional Healthcare, in 2014, and she currently practices in Charlotte, North Carolina. She is accepting new patients and she provides virtual services. So you don't have to be in North Carolina. I'm sorry, you don't have to be in Charlotte. Okay, so I had to get that out of the way. But let me tell you how I know her. So Samantha was my best friend in elementary school and she moved away in the sixth grade. It was a sixth grade, Samantha? I think so, yeah. Yes, it was. So it was the sixth grade. And long story short, we eventually lost touch, but we reunited the summer before we went to medical school. And lo and behold, we didn't know this, but we were in the same class of East Carolina Brody School of Medicine, class of 2002. We didn't know it. So we we re-met. Again, you know, friendships, they never die. And she got me through medical school, y'all. So there would be no office visits with Dr. V if there were not a Samantha Grave suffering. So welcome, Dr. Suffering. Thank you so very much, Danita. So we're, we're going to be talking about, what'd you say, Samantha? I guess just to say Dr. V. I know. <laughs> so she she's Samantha and I'm Benita. But for the purposes of our episode... Is Dr. Suffren and Dr. V. So this is something that's very, very important to me. Uh, a lot of my OBGYN patients are usually healthy, but they have some Im- room to improve in their mental health. And sometimes I get caught up in that and it has nothing to do with their breast exam, their pap smear, but their big problems are stress and I hate my job and, you know, they're depressed or anxious. And so this is something I really do have an interest in, but I am not a professional. So that's why we have Dr. Suffren here to talk to us about it. And she actually, she started a practice that really is geared towards women, women's mental health. And we were talking last night and I thought she said something so profound. And this is why I want you to keep listening. She said mental health is not just about mental illness. Mental health is not just about mental illness. Just like everybody wants to be healthy and happy and physically fit, you want to be mentally healthy. So 
before we get started, is there anything else you want to say? Is that a good intro, Dr. Suffering? That's great. That's, <laughs> That's great. Okay. So, all right. So you started a practice. You left private practice. You left working for a hospital and you struck out on your own. So tell our listeners why you are so passionate about women's mental health. So my passion for women's mental health started with just learning that there was a need for it. And that was through a personal experience. Um, uh, Mind you, I got married and I had my first baby while going through uh, medical school, which was Yes, she did. In retrospect, it was not the smart <laughs> thing, but it was planned. <laughs> it was a way that I could still have my life and my career at the same time and not uh, slow anything down. I thought I could do it all and I was going to do it all. And so mm-hmm. it was very mm-hmm. much so planned that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and in that process of going through medical school and the rotations and stuff of that nature, and being um, a new mom, I found myself overwhelmed uh, and having symptoms that I didn't understand, things that made me a little scared and nervous. I felt like I was going crazy, but I didn't want to tell anybody. And mind you, I was in school away from home with a new husband, a young new husband. <laughs> that's, a, that's another show, y'all, right there. <laughs> We got sure, lots of stories. Grow just like we do. So um, <laughs> the support wasn't really uh, there. Like I had dreamed and fantasized it would be an acting on TV. Oh, wow. Um, and so that left me kind of really looking for, well, what do I do with these new feelings? And finding that there was really no one I could talk to. Mm. There was no one I could go and find. I didn't know about any postpartum depression. I didn't know about postpartum blues. Um, I didn't know about delirium symptoms with sleep deprivation. All I knew is I needed my mama. And <laughs> I said at Virginia Harding at East Carolina. Yay, Virginia! <laughs> she listened to me and she said, okay, we need to do something. We're not going to let you stop. We're yeah. not going to let you slow down. We're going to create something. And she made it where I could actually continue to be in the program, continue to work, and go home. <laughs> I had to go to my mama. I had to I had to find my support system. Mm. And in doing that, that was really helpful. And I'm still too ashamed to tell her what was going on. Um but it was helpful to get some help. and that's what created all this. Created all okay, hold on. You were ashamed to tell who your mother? I was ashamed to tell anybody. I was ashamed to tell my mom because now, mind you, the generations are very different. I went through pregnancy feeling exhausted, taking naps in my car during family rotations where mm. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is mm. ridiculous. Um, and my grandmother, who was alive at the time, when I would go home to visit, would say, oh, girl, I had my baby and I went right back out and started picking cotton. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was like, okay, I had, you know, four kids. I raised them on my own practically. And one had special needs. I prayed it through. So I'm like, (laughs) They're not trying to hear your little story talking about I'm in medical school. (laughs) Look, I got to suck this up and make this work. And I ain't telling nobody. We just going. 
suffer through and make it happen. So, you know, it just didn't feel like that was okay for me to say, I need some more help. I'm not doing so well. Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to tell her. I didn't tell her. Um, I didn't tell my husband. I was just mad at him all the time. He probably didn't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> mm. Um, and I didn't tell my sister cause she was in her own world and I just w- wanted to be by myself. I just wanted to, it was one foot after the other. I was in survival mode, getting it done. Mm. I was just, and so that just started me looking for help, looking for why isn't there help, looking for, um, looking up the diagnosis and finding that there was one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then finding out there wasn't many resources and then finding out where places I could go to get more education, more information, um, and decided that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to fill this gap because there was no one really that I could find for me. Mm. Um, so I start creating my own fellowship, you could say, and start going into and listening to research and looking for research and finding that there was a program at Emory. So reading everything out of them, Mass General, reading everything out of them and just really creating my own type of research and, uh, education, um, process at that point. That so, is amazing. That through through your suffering, your hardship, that it birthed this awesome, amazing practice that it's going to help women. So somebody doesn't have to go through it like you did. So, so listen, okay. So you said it sounds like you didn't know what was going on, but you you were having postpartum depression. So for our listeners, can you tell them, you know, what postpartum depression is? And what are some of the the signs and the symptoms that they can be looking for? Okay, so first, there is um, two different types of mood states after a baby's born. There is what we can call postpartum blues, and that one's very common. So postpartum blues occurs in over 70 to 80% of women. I mean, it's very common. And it's really focused around a hormone shift and an extreme learning curve. Um, <laughs> can we say extreme extreme like I don't think extreme is a, a good enough word but go ahead go ahead I'm sorry <laughs> and um, what happens is you feel overwhelmed you feel down your energy's not there your motivation's kind of not there um, it's more of a, a lot of physical um, depressed kind of symptoms so physical sadness kind of downness um, some women will experience some separation um, so once a baby actually leaves out of your oneness, because y'all are always a team when you're pregnant, yeah. once that baby is actually born and it's outside of you, it, there is some level of kind of, um, loss. It's like, uh, oh, okay. You know, so there is that, that readjustment of, okay. okay, how do I now share this special thing? How do I protect this special thing while it's, my heart's outside of my body? Um, and you can experience these down feelings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that's the first two weeks and we watch and we monitor. And I have found that some women will experience postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis or mood disorders within those two weeks. But postpartum blues is what's the most common. Now that develops or it can continue on past two weeks when your hormones kind of try to get back in some type of balance. And you will then um, can ex- experience a more extreme version of that, which is postpartum depression. Now, postpartum depression is when your thoughts add into your feelings. Um, and that's the best way I like to explain it is when you start feeling like 
I can't do this. I'm a terrible mom. My kids and my family would do so much better without me. I just want to escape and not come back. Uh, it starts affecting your appetite. You stop eating. You're just not hungry. Um, you just want to sleep to escape or you're just tired all the time. So then you start getting other symptoms. And, and then that's when you're really into postpartum depression. Um, that's when we're at increased risk for suicidal ideations and suicide attempts. Um, that depression can get so bad that you actually start having some what we call um, I want to say psychotic symptoms, but it's like real reality is a little bit different where you think things are happening and they're not really happening. Um, you think your baby's in danger from the people who love them and they're really not. You feel like you have to watch your baby all the time and you, you think you see them not breathe. It's, it's when you're, um, feeling that, uh, uh, something bizarre is going to happen. And no one else believes you. Hold, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Now, every parent goes to the crib at night, making sure their baby's breathing. So that's not psychosis, right? No, that's not psychosis. That's not psychosis. No. So, so you're keep in mind, you're having these symptoms with postpartum depression. You're having the sadness, the downness with ah, it. Ah, okay. And then you're having the intrusive, obsessive. My baby's not breathing. So there's one thing to say, okay, let me check. But there's another thing to say, okay, I'm not moving. I'm going to uh, stare and watch and it's going to consume and take over. Okay. Now we're in an obsessive state. Right. So it's affecting your daily life and you can't yeah. take care of yourself and other things because you are so fixated yeah. on this. That's okay. where so we're that's like, the okay. difference. That's the difference. Now we're experiencing postpartum kind of OCD symptoms. They're intrusive. Mm can't get rid of them. Um, and then that's the postpartum depression that comes in a, and is a, accompanied by anxiety and you feel physical symptoms of distress and something's wrong and find yourself in the emergency department because you feel like you're having a heart attack and there's some something's going on and they can't find anything. Um, and then we lead into the more levels of postpartum psychosis, which is not as common as Thankfully. postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is something that you can't predict who gets it, um, and you can't really um, say that you have protective factors from it. You just need to know when it comes, if it comes. But that's when those thoughts are bizarre. That's when it seems like it, it gets to the point where it's extreme, it's bizarre, and those intrusive thoughts start to affect how you're cognitively processing your reality. Mm. Uh, and your spouse is saying things like, it's not me, she's not making sense, or... I don't know why she did that. Or you're thinking of, it's a great idea for me to hop in the car, take my baby. We're going to drive to Florida because they need to go and learn French. That's what it's like. Wow. It is the laugh. I'm sorry. And you're thinking this like, it's, it makes perfectly perfect good sense. sense. Yeah. That's your reality. It's, and I like hmm. to explain this to my dad and my support systems with patients. It's like me trying to tell you and convince you that the sky that you're looking at is not blue. I can't convince you that it's not blue. That is your reality. No, no, no. It's purple. No, that's blue. I can't convince you. (laughs) It's your reality. And and so there's no need to really get upset with them. It's not something that they're like, oh, you're just making it up. You just need to stop. No, that's their reality. Wow. That's true. Okay. So so I I think postpartum depression, and, and I will say what, postpartum anxiety, right? That's the thing, too. 
I think probably that deserves its own episode because what you just said, somebody has experienced that. Many women have maybe not the psychosis, but, you know, your reality is different and people around you don't understand. They don't know how to take care of it. They don't know how to support you. As we have already heard, the services are limited. Um, I know as an OBGYN, there are lots of women that are going through changes and they don't tell me. I ask, I pry, but they don't, they don't say anything. So, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If a woman does have postpartum depression um, or postpartum anxiety, what do you recommend that she do and what types of treatment are available? Okay. So the first thing I recommend is tell your OB. Let them know what's going on because that's the person that usually you're the most comfortable with. That's the person you've seen already. Right. They deliver the baby. Right. You've seen them like every week mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so first, let them know. Um, the second thing that you really need to do is start expanding your support system and let them know. Let your spouse know. Let a family member know. Um, it's no different. Like if you felt sick, you wouldn't necessarily just sit there and be sick. You tell your, you tell your husband, I don't feel well. You would tell, um, your loved one or your job, I'm not feeling too good. So you, you need to let someone know. So then they can actually add extra eyes and start doing some nurturing work on your behalf. Instead of, which I see a lot of, the <laughs> husband or the partner going back to work, uh, You've had a baby, new baby sometimes, and you're there by yourself, sad and emotionally distressed, and they're off to work, and eight to five, they don't come home till six, and you are there by yourself. And they don't know what's wrong with you, and you start feeling guilty and shame, Mm -hmm. thinking that, oh, I should be able to do this. My husband's going to work, so I don't want to burden him. I should be able to handle this at home. Um, And then you just find yourself pushing beyond your limit. Um, And then you would find that your spouse may say things that he wouldn't say if you just share because he doesn't understand what's going on with you. Things like, uh, why can't you do this? My mom did this. Uh, Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Or, um, you know, I'm tired too. Or I've got things going on. You know, you're not working. Um, They just don't. You, they don't understand that this is something you can't control. You can't muster yourself out of it without some support and help. Right, right, right. Ooh. Those are the two things I would start. Tell your OB, tell your support system. Um, and then once you've done that, you don't stop telling and stop talking and communicating until you get the help you need. So you, you don't say, oh, my OB said I'm just dehydrated and tired. I just need to sleep and I need to drink water. Okay. Try drinking water, try uh, going to sleep. Uh-oh. I'm still feeling bad. My husband said he'll take the baby on the weekend to give me a break. I got yes. a little break. I'm still feeling sad. Okay. okay. You keep going. That means you now say, okay, now I'm going to reach out and I'm going to find behavioral health specialist. I'm going to see, do your own searches. Before we didn't have it all over on the internet. Now you can find it. Put in postpartum depression, postpartum um, mood disorder, uh, women's mental health. Um, look up um, PSI, Postpartum Support International. There's free groups um, that you can get connected to. 
Um, and then people you can talk to, people you can have your spouse talk to if they don't understand what you're going through. So just start searching. Do it on your, you know, be your own advocate and look, you can find the help. So question. Okay. So I'm an OBGYN. And so when I have patients, I mean, usually I, I know my patients well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there are some risk factors and I can sometimes see a see a storm coming because there's no family around, you know, or they're by themselves or the husband's not going to be there. Um, So I have, you know, depending on the severity, we start medication mm-hmm. to help them kind of lift out of that. What are your thoughts about medications at this point? OK, so I am. Um... You know, 100% like, if you need medication, start medication. Um, so whenever, I would say whenever your OB starts a medication or your primary care, if that's who you feel more comfortable talking to, start some medication, still seek out an expert, still seek out a psychiatrist. Um, because what happens with um, those symptoms is they overlap other symptoms. So postpartum depression with anxiety can those symptoms can overlap symptoms that disguise bipolar. And mm. if you actually start a, a, a female on an antidepressant, trying to treat heightened levels of um, activation. Okay. So she feels very anxious and she can't sleep. Hold, hold on, Dr. Dr. Sefran. Here you go. You, wait, activation. What is activation? <laughs> talk, talk to the people playing. Activation. What's another way to say that? It's like you can't slow your thoughts down. Ah, okay. I got to do this. I got to do that. I can't sit down. Um, I'm trying to sleep, but I'm worrying about what tomorrow's going to look like, what I get, didn't get done today. My thoughts won't stop. Hmm. Um, so that's bipolar or is that anxiety or that can mask? That's what, yeah. you, that's what you're saying. Gotcha. That's All right. It. That feeling of I feel anxious can actually be a mood disorder. It can actually be bipolar. Oh, wow. Okay? And starting a female on Zoloft, Prozac, those kind of medications kind of give y'all some names, Alexapro, Alexa, uh-huh. mm-hmm. treat depression and some level of anxiety can actually make a female who's actually experiencing bipolar symptoms worse. Oh, boy, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> I'm getting nervous. Oh, God. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, oh my know, gosh. Like you look at the odds. It's more likely that you're seeing a female with postpartum depression, anxiety, than you're seeing a female with postpartum uh, bipolar. But it's so common with both. You don't want to take the chance. Um, so you start the medication and you say, okay, now you follow up. Gotcha. You know, it's like, um, and some of those medications themselves can make anxiety also worse before it makes it better. So that's another thing so that you need to know. So if your OB starts you on a medication, you're like, oh, this is making my heart feel like it's jumping out of my chest. What we call palpitations. Jumping out of my chest. Mm-hmm. It, it's making me feel um, dizzy or it's making me feel um, like I just drank a full cup of coffee. So that is what I would consider the activation of starting a new SSRI. That's, that some of those symptoms can be transient. Some of those symptoms mean that you're actually treating a bipolar patient with an antidepressant that they shouldn't be on that's too activating. Um, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll cover with something else to get you through that that brief 
discomfort level until it starts helping. Okay, so she's going in, y'all. I'm gonna just stop her. Do you see, do you hear the difference? So I'm I'm a medical doctor. Y'all are not. She has a level of understanding of this that your OBGYN doesn't have. Your primary care, I'm sorry, primary care, y'all are awesome. You are awesome. But you're not a specialist in mental illness. You're not. She has a level of understanding that um, can really, really make the difference in someone's life. And we're talking maybe even life or death. Mm-hmm. So something that I always see, and, and you're kind of alluding to it, it can make it worse if you're not. Uh, Mm -hmm. on the right medications and you're not being treated properly. What are some conditions that should not be managed by your primary doctor or provider? Mm -hmm. Like when, when should you either a say, I've got this, I need to see a psychiatrist or maybe you're not getting better. And then you need to go to a psychiatrist. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to explain it. Try to explain like you tell me to, Um, So if you, okay, so I'm going to start off with the the main one, which is um, if you're having thoughts that concern other people, that makes them feel that you are not thinking clearly, they're concerned about um, you viewing things or telling you that's not true um, or seeing things that other people aren't seeing, hearing things that no one else can confirm that they're hearing also or you look around and there's no one else or there's um, no one in the house but you but you hear voices or sounds around the corner Mm -hmm. Um, paranoia is extremely common um, uh, symptom that feels very uh, normal to some levels but can be very dangerous Uh, that's when you feel like people are out to get you that you are not um, safe in any situation um, that people have um, or someone has bugged your phone or following you around, your television is wow. sending you messages um, or feeling that uh, uh, people are setting you up all the time at every job you go to. Hmm. Uh, that's when we're actually talking about paranoid delusional disorders. There is a spectrum for that. Now for our African-American community, there is a level of paranoia that I listen to and I'm like, okay, I understand how your, how our reality and our history can lead up can to some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I start listening for when have we crossed the line from this is what I've grown up to, to watch for, to protect myself, to when it gets to the point where it's bizarre and it's affecting your ability to get to the things you want to achieve and accomplish. <clears throat> wow. And now. So those things should not be treated by your primary care doctor. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt. Have you seen when primary care doctors have tried to manage that? Yes. And oh, wow. one, you can find that you are going to, sometimes what will happen is you will be under medicated. So you will be on the right medication. It's just not enough. A bill of five, five and a bill of five, two is not enough to treat what we're talking about. Um, and then, and you feel like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm on this low dose. It may comfort you, but it's not treating you. Mm. You're still mm. on a medication that's sub therapeutic. Okay, it's not working, <laughs> <laughs> and you're on it 
for no reason if it's not going to work. At least get it to the point that it will work and help you if you're going to be on it. Gotcha. Um, so that's under, um, um, under dose. The other one is it sometimes what will happen is the medication will start at a too high dose, mm-hmm. which means you get a bad experience before you even get a chance to be on it good. Gotcha. So someone starts a person right off at three milligrams of Risperdal. And that person, I'm too sedated. I'm foggy headed. I can't think. You had no business starting them right off there. Right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you said like delusions and paranoia. Um, is, is that hearing voices? Um, another condition, what bipolar? Um, mm-hmm. so another condition is bipolar. So that the first one was schizophrenia, schizoaffective, some type of psychosis symptom. That now we're talking about bipolar where you have mood swings, extreme mood swings. Um, there's different levels of bipolar disorder. So um, if a person has what we consider manic episodes, that's when you get extremely happy or extremely irritable, and you don't know why, out the blue. <laughs> um, and on top of that, you find that you are either fully energized, don't need to sleep, finding yourself doing more tasks and, and, and goals and projects than you can finish. Um, doing things that are oh. self gratifying, spending all your money, um, shopping all over the place, Uh-oh. finding boyfriends and Uh-oh. finding love in all the wrong places, then you regret Uh-oh. it. Uh oh, I think somebody on the couch. Uh oh, somebody's on the couch. Oh God. I'm not bipolar. Happens. I'm just happy. <laughs> it happens in episodes. It happens in spurts. Yeah. And then you know, okay. feeling great. And it, it, and when you're feeling great, you don't want somebody to bring you down. So you're feeling great. And and people around you are like, are you all right? I'm sorry. Are you using drugs or what's oh. going on? Or, you know, they're concerned, but you're feeling great. And then after that, there's a drop. There's a, you, you find that they're isolating. You don't see them anymore. That great job they were doing at work is not a great job anymore. They're taking sick days. Mm. Um, mm. They are not getting things done. They're not, it, it, you're sleeping more because now you went into a state of depression. So you went from a high to a drop. Gotcha. Now, sometimes those highs gotcha. can be so extreme that you end up, you need to go into the hospital. You need to go into the hospital to get some of those down because you are not in a safe state. And you won't know um, part of bipolar and a manic episode is the lack of insight, which means you don't know you're not doing well. You're thinking you're doing great and you don't know what's wrong with everybody else. Yeah. You think you look fine. You think you got your your hair right, your makeup on, and what you got on is beautiful, and you are doing it. And everybody else is like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when intervention, you need to go in the hospital, you need to go in a safe place, you need to get to the point where somebody will help you. And you can also have delusions and um, bizarre thoughts with manic episodes. That needs, that's a, a mental health emergency. Go get some help. So the quicker, you, the quicker you can get that stop, the longer you prolong it, the harder it is for us to manage it. I, I want to just say probably for people listening, y'all are probably like, <laughs> well, either A, you're like, oh, wait, that was me or that was my cousin or somebody, you know, or, is- oh, does this really happen? But this is yeah. it's more common than than we think. And these things are going on and you're going to the doctor for other stuff. Oh, my belly hurts or, you know, it's just all this other kind of stuff. But it's really, really, it's, it's, it has to do with your mental, 
your health. You, there's a mental illness sometimes, and this is more common. I wouldn't have this on the show if I, it's not anything that I encountered in my daily practice on a regular basis. So just for those, if you're just tuning in, um, we are listening to Dr. Samantha Suffren. She is a board-certified neuropsychiatrist of women's transitional health in Charlotte. And we're talking about, uh, we're talking about a whole lot of stuff. We're talking about women's mental health. We got about 10 episodes out of like our 25-minute conversation. So going back, you know, if you're having these things and you say, okay, there's intervention or your family's like, you need some help. Oftentimes people will say, especially now that there are apps that you have, I mean, you can get a, a therapist or a counselor on your phone, you know, in your bed and never really like have to leave your home. Okay. And you you really may need something more. So this is actually for me, you guys. So I, I know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, and maybe you all don't. And so Dr. Suffren can address that. But what's the difference between a therapist, a counselor, a licensed clinical social worker? And how do you know when you need which one of those professionals? First and foremost, I like to say I am an advocate for therapy. Yes. I will start every one of my patients. If you are not in therapy, I will recommend therapy to go along with medications because the research has shown the two of them get your best care. Um, by themselves, you only get a percentage of care, but the both together is your best um, care. So don't just go get the medication and not try to figure out what the issue is. And, Amen. And if, it, I'm sorry. if the issue is beyond therapy, don't just do therapy and not say, I'm not going to do this medication. So, Amen. <laughs> Go ahead. So what you're what you're looking at is level of training and the differences um, and then what each uh, person is either comfortable with or their level of experience is the next thing you would look for. So if you are um, having um, symptoms of depression as um, uh, things that are affected by life issues that uh, you can actually manage your coping skills or do things a little different, view things different to affect your overall mood while you're dealing with life issues that are bringing you down, you can actually go and start off with a therapist. Okay. Because that teaches you how to cope and develops coping skills within you that you can take and develop more throughout your life. Okay. And some of uh, some so, sometimes what you need to hear is from a therapist is that you just need to change what's going on in your life, mm. life balance. Mm. Um, so so a therapist teaches skills. It teaches um, how to cope with stress, how to cope with uh, difficult things, how to view things in a different way. It gives you an unbiased. It gives you an unbiased opinion of a different way to view things. So there's different levels and different types of therapy. Um, there's so many different types of therapy. Um, but it teaches you skills. Okay. So you want that. That's a great thing. Great thing. Okay. So you can start off there if that is what you are experiencing. Life and your situation is kind of changing and altering your mood that's affecting you, um, or keeping you from getting the desired results that you want out of life. Okay. okay. So now, so that's a therapist. Now a, LPC, uh, they, uh, uh, LCSW, they've changed their title. Um, but that's the difference in training. 
So they're both considered, they have the ability to teach um, coping skills, uh, but it's the difference in their training. Um, so the first thing I look for is I look at experience uh, because some, you can start off with some level of training, but training is not going to give you experience. <laughs> Oh. So um, I would start off with the experience and then I would start off and see what they specialize in. What do they find an interest in? Because that tells you what they continue to explore gotcha. after they graduated. And if you've gone to college and if you've gone to even high school, you know, you only get so much. <laughs> you go, Even you go to medical school, you'd be like, oh, I didn't got my medical degree. Now I have to practice. Right. You got to say, oh, there's right. not. This, there's that too. Hold up, let me do some more. Right, um, right. So that that's where I would start with just that. That's a therapist, or or as we sometimes you used to call a counselor. And then we also use the word counselors interchangeably with different things. So you know, you have the school counselor, you have the guidance counselor, you have a life counselor, uh, then you have a life coach, um, people who are just trying to get you through certain things or try to help you reach a goal, achieve your goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have goal coaches. So that's what that is. Now, then you go from that point to when your life feels like it's balanced and it's okay. And you still have feelings you don't understand. You're still feeling depressed. You're still triggered for no reason. You still have mood swings that are out of the blue. You still um, view things that no one else views the same way. and You just don't understand why. Or your therapist has gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we need a little bit more. Or maybe we need just an adjunct of something to help us get to the next level. Um, they're trying to work through what, well, this is another episode too, but need postpartum, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, post-traumatic, um, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yes. And, and you get to a point where they're stuck because the trauma in itself brings so much anxiety that you can't kind of move past the next uh, level. Yeah. So that's when you'll get like, okay, Go see a psychiatrist. Let's get you on something to kind of settle that down so we can keep moving. We can keep working. Um, so, you know, when, when you find that life in the situation that you're in are not the issue, um, or something that you can't get past beyond therapy. Yeah. Definitely look for a psychiatrist. Um, a psychiatrist is trained in both therapy and medication. Um, Depending on the psychiatrist that you find, some of them will do the therapy with you and some of them will only manage the medication. Um, and that also depends on our location. Here in North Carolina, psychiatrists do a lot of medication management. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're getting a lot more psychiatrists that are interested in doing the therapy part that we've been trained to do. Um, for me, I do both, but I also do both in conjunction with a therapist. Um, a therapist actually is able to give you more sessions, longer time period over longer courses of time. Okay. Um, where a psychiatrist, we have a lot of times, especially if you're in a group practice, we have a shorter time period. Um, and we're really looking at, okay, I'll see you, uh, in a, in a month or I'll see you in three months or things of that nature because we have so many patients that we're trying to, Get in or get seen. Okay. Have the luxury of, 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 of designing it the way they want to design it. Private practices usually. Then they can do the therapy and they can do the medication management. They can do both. But there's nothing wrong with having one that's the one medication that, that works in conjunction with the therapist who's working with you. 
Okay. And the other thing I want to add to that, if a therapist is not working out and you're like, they're not challenging me. It's like, I'm talking to my girlfriend and <laughs> I've been working with her for like a year. Oh, that is not the therapist you want. But what, you, if, what if they feel better when they leave? If they feel better <laughs> when they leave, that's great. Okay. But if they don't, that's empowering. Okay. But now did you get challenged to change? It's like going to a, a trainer and all y'all do is walk in a circle. <laughs> And you're like, I feel better. Than but did you push yourself to build new muscles? Uh, did you push yourself to do the cardio work to get your heart better? All right. did, did you get challenged enough to make a new skill set? Oh, she preaching, y'all. Come on, Reverend Dr. Suffer. Come on. Did you build new muscles? Okay. So you want to ask yourself, huh? Yeah. And if you really like the therapist, then say, hey, I want to work on this. This is where I want to grow, hmm. you know? This is what I'm looking for. And then see, because she probably very well can do it, or he can very well do it. It's just you all got in a comfort zone, and, and we meet you where you're at. And if that's where you're at, that's where we're going to be. And we'll check out every now and again to see if you're ready to move to something else. But if you're ready, yeah, this Let is a, you're this ready. Is, yeah, this is a two-way there. You're paying them. Okay. Oh, beautiful, beautiful segue. <laughs> that's a, a, a fabulous segue because... I have patients who want me to manage their anxiety, want me to manage their depression or, you know, even their primary care doctor. They feel mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I've often heard that people say, I can't afford to go to a psychiatrist or yeah. to a therapist because my insurance <laughs> coverage isn't that great. Um, and, you know, I was talking to, to Dr. Suffren earlier and she was like, sometimes it's just that y'all don't want to admit you going to a psychiatrist or a therapist that you saying it's the money, but it sounds better mm -hmm. that you're going to your family doctor and just getting a little SSRI. SSRI is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. That's like Prozac, um, Celexa, Zoloft or Sertraline. That, that's what an SSRI is. But okay, I digress. So if it really is the money, if it really is the money, can you just kind of tell us about, you know, because I, I, I've seen it. I don't think that there is the same amount of um, the insurance company doesn't provide the same amount of coverage for mental health as they do for other things. So just talk to the audience a little bit about how you can get your insurance to pay for this or, or what kinds of things should you be looking for um, with your insurance plan? So there is the um, what uh, legislative passed a while ago, actually, was the parity law, the mental health parity law. And that was actually designed so every insurance company has to cover some level of mental health to take the difference away from your physical health and your mental health is supposed to be treated the same by the insurance company. Now, with that said, what has happened is insurance companies, and I don't know why, they, they just hating on us. I don't know why. But <laughs> when insurance companies have a way around it, where they'll cover mental health, any insurance you have will have a mental health coverage, but they will have found a way to either make your um, copay a little higher, your deductible a little different, or you have to go through a secondary handler for it. Okay. Um, but what you need to do is one, find out what is your coverage for your insurance company because it's there. And then you find out what your copay is. 
because psychiatrists are considered special specialists, you have a higher copay for like if you're going to a surgeon, if you're going to uh, someone who specializes as a as a, a doctor who specializes in something, your copays is can be forty five versus twenty seventy dollars mm-hmm. versus your normal ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's because of the specialty care. Now the other thing, but with a the therapist, if you find a therapist that's taking insurance, you don't have so much that specialty care covered. So you can actually see a therapist and get better coverage and and start some level of mental health. Okay. At one point, they used to have it where they limited how many sessions you could do. That shouldn't be the case anymore. They're supposed to be holding insurance accountable where you don't have a limitation to how many times you can go and get help and treatment for behavioral health. Wow. Um, so it's the changing that's coming along. And what you would want to do is go ahead and check and see what's new now. Um, what has changed now? Cause it's constantly changing. They're constantly looking at ways to kind of hold insurance companies accountable. And especially with the pandemic and they're finding that their, the mental health is so real um, for us trying to cope with this. They're right. finding to kind of make it more available. Even the self-talk and the apps that are out um, are more available and more accessible because they are finding ways to make where you can get it paid for. So check it out. If you had a bad experience before, check it out now. Um, it could be very, very different. The other thing is you want to look and see where are you put in your value? Um, we have a tendency not to really value our mental health as much as we value other things. <laughs> so, so if you want to actually experience that, uh, I feel good about myself, my peace, my love, my place. If that's important to you, then put the money into it to get there. Ooh, if, if your value is in what you, uh, what you have on your feet, what you carry on your arms and what you have on your back, Ooh. but you walking around slumped over and depressed and sad, then you put your money where your value is. Ooh. So they can be wearing some Jordans, carrying like, uh, right. uh, what you, I don't, look, I don't even know the bag, Louis Vuitton or something mm-hmm. and still be depressed and got thousands of dollars on their, their body. Just feel suicidal. Wow. Feel like you want to wow. escape. Shopping because you think it makes you feel better, and I'm not gonna kick that because I shopping makes me feel better, and I figured out this this therapy shop therapy is real, um, and it's (laughs) find some other ways. And the pandemic slowed it all the way down. Ain't doing shopping, um, (laughs) shop therapy. But yeah, you you want to look at okay, um, you know it feels good when I bought it. Now I have it, and I'm back where I was. Something else going on. Money somewhere else. Right. I, I have I've seen that. You know, people people have money, and and you know, I'm an African American woman. I'm a black woman. I have seen it. People <laughs> got four hundred dollar weaves on their head. I know. I know they do. And you know, we got the red bottoms. And you are so right that we you value those things. You look good, uh, but you don't feel good. And not sleeping. Not sleeping, and you don't feel good. So, so we, we, we got, we only have a few minutes left. Okay. So, so briefly, cause All right. we're the same age. We're, we're our mid forties. And so <laughs> you're talking to me. You're okay. talking to me now. What can happen during perimenopause? Right, mood wise. So, 
here's the thing for us women. We have a, we are beautifully complex design. We are miracles walking. We Ooh. are amazing. I, I mean, I'm like, Ooh, look at me and my ability. I like that. But with all those abilities comes a hormone. <laughs> <laughs> and that hormone takes us through stages in life. Okay. And one of those stages in life is perimenopause. And that's when that hormone that allows us to do some stuff that men can't do kind of starts fading down and fading away. Now, when that starts to fade and that starts to shift and starts to adjusting, it also affects our how we feel. It uh, affects how we sleep. It affects how we are able to um, kind of focus and concentrate sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it can even get to the extreme where we find ourselves, our personality changes. We can be snappy and don't know why. Where before we could hold our tongues, we can't hold it any longer. Um, you can even feel like you're going crazy. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> this is perimenopause we're talking this about. Perimenopause, yes. Well, ho- ho- hold on one second, Dr. Suffern. I'm sorry. So let me just define it. Y'all need to listen to what was that, episode nine. We're talking about menopause. But the definition of menopause is when you have stopped your periods for a whole year. But perimenopause is what you can experience before and after that all the symptoms and the moods so yes you think you're going crazy you're snappy you're irritable go ahead you're not able to sleep um as well so you're up and down um and like i said personality may change because your hormones are going (laughs) and we know that our hormones actually affects our serotonin levels You've experienced it already when you have your cycle. You experienced it already when you had your baby. You experienced it already when you first got your menstrual cycle. Okay. So now you're experiencing again, but this time instead of having, okay, we're getting started. And for my teenage girls, 14, 15, uh, 13, y'all all all over the place. (laughs) Hang on. Hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. Uh, but now we add it again in perimenopause. Okay, it's just in reverse. Okay. <laughs> Instead of starting, we're stopping. Okay. We're back. <laughs> yeah, and there's some things that we can do to kind of help that. Um, you can actually, therapy can help with that, just helping with the transition, the um, what you're experiencing, the support um, with that, uh, being okay with some some stuff, being kind to yourself and allowing mm. things, natural change. Okay, yes. to happen. Um, uh, sometimes we'll do uh, medications, uh, SSRIs uh, can help with that um, to help you out, get you through mood stabilizers, low dose mood stabilizers can help with that. Sometimes we need to put someone on a short dose of anxiety medication. Right. Just right. to get you through sleep aids if I need to, just to get you mm-hmm. through. Um, but yeah, there's ways and things that we can do to help. You'll be okay. Ooh. Hang in there. <laughs> we oh, all go through it. We all go through it. It's a transition, not tragedy. Y'all go. listen to episode nine. So we have been talking to my friend. She's so smart and she's so passionate and she cares and she always has. That that's that's who we are. I would not be aligned with someone who's not. Um this has been wonderful. This has been absolutely wonderful. And let me just tell you again, she is a board certified adult neuropsychiatrist um, and she specializes in perinatal mental health, women's mental health. Uh, her practice is women's transitional health care. 
um, that is physically based in Charlotte, North Carolina, but they are currently providing uh, virtual services. So you don't have to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Her website is WTHealthCare.net, WTHealthCare.net. So I will put that link um, in our um, the episode description so that you all can connect with Dr. Suffering, Dr. Samantha Suffering, uh, because women need to know that mental health is important. And mental health, again, is not just about mental illness. And I'm going to leave you with one other thing that she said um, about getting help and who you're reaching out to. And everybody wants a pill, but you don't just need a pill. You need a plan. Mm-hmm. You need a plan. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk about this. And you'll come back, Dr. Suffren, please. I will. You will? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk yeah. about this in other in other episodes, but we have to be healthy on purpose. And that is the whole reason we have office visits with Dr. V is to educate so that you can know what's going on and then you can get a plan because the whole goal is to be happy and healthy. So thank you so much, Dr. Suffering. Thank you all for listening. Um, check us out, follow us, subscribe, leave us an awesome review um, and share it with your friends. Um, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play and Spotify. We will see you at the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, This does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or healthcare provider. So please seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your healthcare regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And go to my website at OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. That's OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.